0: back to the David Glenn Show. It is the biggest week of the year for NBA free agency and NHL free agency. Bobby Marks of ESPN drops by live in 30 minutes. The Kawhi Leonard watch continues. Most of the other biggest names have already found new homes. The NHL Derby continues. Sebastian Aho and that offer sheet from the Montreal Canadiens has been matched by your Carolina Hurricanes. So, Sebastian Ajo, five years, $42 million plus, very front-loaded, massive signing bonus. But Tom Dundon and the Canes did step up to the plate as the Canadians kind of dared them to meet those financial terms. Joining us now, a guy who just collected the North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year Award and deservedly so. He is the TV and radio voice of the Carolina Hurricanes here in our parts of the country and, of course, also does great work nationally for the NBC Sports Network. John Forslund, welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Congratulations and how are you?
1: I'm great, Davis. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everything you just said. It, uh, I, I told you before, very humbling, but uh, anxious for the start of the next season. And uh, I tell you what, it's been pretty exciting so far.
0: No doubt about that. Now, I'm not aware of any controversial offer sheets for John Forsland that led the, you know, threatened fistfights the way we had with Brian Burke and Kevin Lowe in an offer sheet situation 12 years ago. But I believe this Canadiens challenge got a little personal. Uh, I've been told by Canes folks that, you know, Sebastian Aho's agent misinterpreted the Canes commitment here. Uh, what What is your point of view on what just happened with the the Canadians daring the Canes and maybe trying to push them around a little bit financially. Here's,
1: Here's what I try to do in these circumstances because, again, offer sheets are not something you see in a regular basis. It's within the framework of the collective bargaining agreement, but you don't see teams go there so often. So I think what you have to do to be fair, like anything I do, is look at everything with balance, not get emotion involved here and look at both sides of the equation. Um, How does Sebastian Ajo initially get to July 1 where this is a possibility? Well, uh, the Canes had an opportunity to go down his road last July when you're a year out with a player on an expiring contract. You can start to negotiate, maybe reach a team-friendly deal, maybe get to a conclusion that uh, meets both uh, both sides. Uh, halfway that didn't happen you get into the season you go through the season he starts to have a career year the team hits a level that hasn't had in 10 years uh, you have all this revenue coming in because of it at the end of the year going into next season and now you're in a position to negotiate with that player your best player and from all the reports we get you know the team did what they felt was uh, fair within the framework of uh, having some kind of leverage I'm not sure they went to a high level right away they did not his agent went to a high level right away, which is his right, and then from the outside, And there's been talk about teams attempting to do this in this year, a year away from collective bargaining again, to get to offer sheets. So I don't think it surprised too many people in the NHL that this would happen. The Canadians kind of made it, you know, an interesting uh, offer in terms of uh, something that uh, they could take back and be comfortable with. They didn't have to surrender as many high draft choices because of the threshold. They're just underneath it in terms of the average uh, payout each year. And then everything was front-loaded because I believe, at least from what I heard, that... uh, Ajo's representation wanted some front-loaded protection in case there is a lockout after this season. And that's normal for most players. So the signing bonuses are extravagant, uh, and then you get to the conclusion. What's the conclusion? It's up to Tom Dundon. Yes or no. And Tom Dundon has said from day one when he took over ownership of the Hurricanes, I will do whatever it takes to win. His own general manager said last week, we will match any offer. If you say those things, you can't be empty. So here's the proposition, yes or no, pass, fail, the Canes matched it, you move on. And all this other stuff about underhanded moves and we'll get them next time and can't wait for opening night when the Canadians come in, that's all well and good. The key here is that this is where this player was under the framework of collective bargaining, his free agent status as a restricted free agent at the age of 21, and he needed to be paid. He was. Was it as high as some people speculated? No. Was it as long? Because, again, I'm sure if the Hurricanes had their way, they would like to tie up Sebastian yes. for the maximum eight seasons. That didn't happen. What people forget is after five years, he'll be in the prime of his career 26 and be an unrestricted free agent. So that'll be interesting to watch. But the business has been taken care of. Dunden did what he needed to do. Good for the Hurricanes. Now you move forward with your best player.
0: John Forslund joining us on the David Glenn Show. You can follow John on Twitter, at John Forslund. In your experience, knowing a lot of these guys personally, really on both sides of the bargaining table, is it usually easy to put the business aspect of this aside? Because one of the reasons I don't think it's emotional to say that this got personal you don't often see an NHL franchise put out on their social media or put out through their general manager. Sebastian has made clear he wants to be a member of the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, that's personal, and some wondered if uh, this could fracture in some way, even though the offer has been matched, the relationship between Aho and the Canes as we wonder what the world will look like five years from now as Ajo's about to turn 27, uh, but you know, would be an unrestricted free agent at that point?
1: Well, in a happy world, this never happens. In a happy world, uh, the Hurricanes shoot for the moon with the contract, the players delighted. The player comes back and everything's hunky dory. That's too easy. You know, life doesn't work that way. So the Canes decided they wanted to go down this road. They've been true to their uh, management style yeah. with every negotiation. It's basically hard line, right? Yeah. So you know what the rules are going in. Everyone knew this wouldn't be easy. What does the player do? The player attempts to detach the emotion the best he can. It's not easy because there's a human element, uh, element involved. But remember, as you know, you know there's a players' association too, and there's pressure from every player's association in professional sports to do the right thing for the brotherhood. And so Sebastian Ajo is probably hearing a little bit from the union too, and so is his agent, about what they needed to do. The team probably feels, yeah, go ahead. It's like a game of chicken. Go ahead and do something. You member clubs, you feel you want to take us on, take us on. And then Tom, as a new owner, decides, okay, I'm ready to play with the big boys. I'm in. And again, it's not unusual to see a high-end, high-revenue team like the Montreal Canadiens with money to burn, Molson Breweries, and so on. You know, do this, and then here it is. Now it's up to a low-revenue team. With all due respect, but those are those are the facts in a non-traditional market. You know, what do you do next? Well, that question has been answered. So the owner's serious about what he wanted to do for this player. I think when everybody gets together in September. It's bygones, be bygones, you move forward. And uh, I will say, though, to be fair, too, that when you look at some of these other offer sheets in history, some of these players have moved on within the framework of that new deal. Not immediately, because you can't trade a player for at least a year. But in terms of cases like Shea Weber and Ryan O'Reilly, you know, they've moved to a different team within the framework of that new deal just because it's not the same anymore. So, yeah, every time you do a new deal, not always the same.
0: John Forgeland is joining us. That style of management that you mentioned, I think actually has paid off well for the Canes far more often than it has had maybe some of these more tricky repercussions. I laugh because so many Kaniacs, as well intended as they are, when they see for the first time in a long time this wonderful goaltending tandem, you know, not only Peter Moradzik and Curtis McElhaney and their performances, but great guys and at a low price. I mean, it was ideal, right? You get above average and often elite goaltending at a bargain basement price last year. Fans would say, whatever you guys want, yeah, we'll sign on the dotted line. What is your perspective with the way things played out? From my point of view, John, Peter Mrazek at roughly $3 million a year is very reasonable without, you know, kind of caving into whatever his original demands are. And a James Reimer as his backup at about $3 million a year, I don't know if it's going to stay Reimer as the backup, but to me, that's as good a one-two punch going into a season as the Canes have had in a long time. What do you see?
1: Well, there's an overinflated contract with the Edmonton Oilers. The goalie's name is Miko Koskinen. And this goaltender was given, a, I believe it's a four-year deal, in excess of $4 million annually from Peter Chiarelli, the ousted general manager of the Oilers, last season with very little experience. He had a good year this year, late bloomer. They got to a big deal. When that deal was consummated, I think every goalie that was, you know, going down this unrestricted road kind of looked at that and said, "Okay, that's kind of my benchmark. If that guy can get that, I should be in the neighborhood of close. And based on Morozik's resume, you know, taking a chance on himself and signing a one-year ticket last summer, a million and a half, and then having the year that he did a career season and taking the Hurricanes to that level, I'm sure he was looking at that benchmark. In McElhaney's case, you know, he's a reclamation project, a 12-year veteran who was plucked off waivers and had his best season ever. Yeah. You know, what would he command on the open market? Now, go back to the very beginning of this, when the Hurricanes were eliminated and they had their initial press conference going into the offseason. They said, our plan is to bring both guys back. That was the plan. But then you have this period of time where nothing happens, which means there's negotiation, which means these two goalies are probably asking a lot, in the opinion of the team, and the team's probably has another idea until they get to July 1. The closer you get to July 1, the leverage goes to both goalies. It's interesting what happens here. The Hurricanes, I think, did a really good job with Scott Darling. Here's a goalie that wanted to buy out, who was not going to play for the team, but would cost money, hard money. What they did is take his contract get another team to bite, get a goalie that can play back. Whether or not James Reimer's with the Canes next year or not, he's a body. He's an average goaltender right now that probably was overvalued when his turn came. But anyway, he can play. And so he's in the fold now along with the two young goalies they have in back of him. Now, what do you do for the one? Where the dominoes started to fall yesterday, it circled back to Peter Morozik. And I really believe some of it's luck and some of it's real good, hard negotiating, that Morozic then looked at everything and said, you know what, Carolina's my best bet. Carolina looked at him and said, he's our best bet. Let's get to the deal. You're right. That deal is friendly for the team. Friendly for the player, and the good news for the fans is Peter Morozik is back to lead the way, but to be fair, he'll need support, and I think there'll be a strong competition for the number two. And oh. I'll add, add one more thing. Yeah. They have the they have the ability, if they want to, to trade Reimer. Columbus right. Blue Jackets do not have a goalie as we speak today, right. David. Right. They could make a deal and get a player back for James Reimer, just thinking out loud. So that was really good in terms of how they manipulated Darling.
0: Agree. And most of these transactions, I mean, going all the way back to getting rid of a bad Victor Rass contract and picking up Nino Niederreiter, getting rid of the bad Darling contract, and however it turns out, Reimer's at least a capable player and infinitely better than, than Scott Darling was. Maybe the only recent transaction that made me scratch my head, and I need you to help me understand it, Calvin DeHaan going to the Blackhawks as what I thought was when he was healthy, a quality, reliable defenseman, and getting only kind of an extra defenseman and a young goalie in return, that one didn't add up. Is it just all about the money in that equation? Because in almost every other case, I just felt like the Canes came out uh, on top, you know, talent-wise and competitively.
1: Money and the slot, okay? So I think money certainly has, everything to do with everything, yeah. and then the slot, where the players slotted at the end of the season. Calvin DeHaan was signed to be in the top four. As the season went along, that wasn't going to be the case. He was going to be a five-six guy. It's a hard decision. It gets back to the hard line approach. Is it a popular decision with his teammates? Likely not. Is it a popular decision with some of the fans? Likely not. Is it a popular decision with the player and his family because they love Raleigh? No way. Okay, But I think what they did is get ahead of it. Before you get the second year out of the way, the third year out of the way, here's a player who's probably a five, who's had injury concerns, who's into his late 20s, who has a relatively big contract. You don't want to get saddled with the deal late. So they made a decision, just like they did with Jeff Skinner. They made a decision. And you live by your decision, but you have to jump in the deep end. You can't go in the shallow waters. You can't take the easy way out. They didn't with this one. It did fracture some of the chemistry, I yeah. believe, which is dangerous because that was uh, at the head of everything the Hurricanes did last year. But I can understand why, because they basically surrendered a five defenseman that was coveted by another team for that, for that role or better, and they opened the door for some young players that need a chance. The only thing that's cloudy is Van Reensdyke's injury, you know, whether he's ready to go at the start of the year, because it's going to test their depth, and right. then, of course, you have the contract of Justin Fultz coming up on the horizon, too.
0: Sebastian Ajo has been retained. The goaltending situation probably has been solidified. Uh, what's next on the John Forgeland offseason pecking order? Is it just waiting and seeing about Justin Williams' retirement decision? Is it, uh, you know, adding more scoring, or is Eric Halla from Vegas part of that already in camp? You know, what, what's next?
1: With Eric Hall, they did a good job with that player. That's a, that's a, He's an excellent third-line center. He can play in the power play and kill penalties. He's really fast. He's had some injuries that might be a concern, not only the knee injury last year. He's had some concussion history. So you got to be careful with that. But that's a, that was a good deal for yeah. depth. I think what they need now is some abrasion. Michael Furland's departure is has created a void with this team. When you look at it right now, there's been a lot to do about the goaltending. There's been a lot to do about Sebastian Ajo. David, that gets you back to the same. The hurricanes are just at yeah. the same right now, taking a chance on some younger guys like a Marty Natchez to make the grade next year. I think they might be okay where it is with this group, but I really think they got to be tougher. They're going to have to add a guy, in my opinion, that's going to get to the uh, the inside of the ice and perform a role like Ferland did. It will make the team better. Lots of skill, a little bit light. Uh, a lot of creativity, but it's it's been shown in the playoffs. you got to get heavy, too. And I don't see that in their makeup right now, aside from, you know, the buzz saws like Mark Nook, and if they do re-sign McGinn, which they should, you know, those are those are guys that give you a little bit of that. But I'm talking about the real deal presence of a Furlan when he was playing well, uh, a guy like Tom Wilson in Washington, Reeves in Vegas, you yeah. know, players like I think they need something like that. I don't know where that guy is, uh, but we'll see
0: with you we knew the contract was up on June 30th and sure enough you and Trip Tracy and I know Mike's back as well Galco, Uh we we fortunately have one of the great broadcasting teams in place for at least another year uh, with some of these others the, the timetable is less clear Justin Williams uh, you know do you can you read those tea leaves I mean some kenycs are telling me oh if he was gonna st- stay on the roster he would have told the team by now as they make these other decisions do you have any you know educated on that or is it you know the longer we wait the more we have to doubt whether Justin Williams is gonna keep playing hockey
1: without speaking for him and I never would you know being an outsider on this I would say that whatever conversations they had probably didn't get to that well that's an offer I can't refuse level for Justin Williams I think they had a talk some kind of term some kind of compensation and then Williams now gets to the thought process of however long this will take him this summer. Obviously, it's not a slam-dunk decision for he and his family, but there was a comment made about looking at other opportunities, too, through the agency. That one there, uh, I don't know if it's real or not, but it, I, I would think that this is not exactly a, a cut-and-dried situation for him. So I, I really believe that's ne- – I think that's really important uh, in terms of that because if he leaves the team – it's different. It will just be different. And I'd like to see him leave on, on the right term. I'd like to see him leave where he just says, I, "I, there's absolutely no way I can do this. But the longer this goes on, it also encumbers the hurricanes a little bit. I think they want to know what they can do You know, the deeper they get into the summer. Maybe they're comfortable with this, and they'll give them all summer if they have to. But as we get in through July, I think it'll get closer to D-Day in terms of this. And, and, and I only hope for the best because, as we know, he's a First cabin guy across the
0: board. Last thing for John Forsland, you've been around a long time. You watch all of these teams beyond the Hurricanes. Uh, Is there a biggest winner or a biggest free agency loser as you see it, at least to this point? Because if I'm a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, man, I just watched Sergei Bobrovsky jump to a different team. I just watched Artemi Panarin uh, jump to another team. I just watched Matt Duchesne jump to another team. I mean, most of these, there's like some incoming, some outgoing. Has anybody either impressed you the most or left you scratching your head the most?
1: Yeah, you know, usually... On July 1, everybody appears to be a winner in some way. And then by the time you get through the next season, somebody and most of them are losers. Um, because, again, these players are valued in within the market of that summer in terms of who's out there, not really put up against the league itself right. in terms of comparables. So with that being said, to me, the team that made the most impact, at least as we talk on the 2nd of July, are the Florida Panthers. Most active, a lot of money thrown around, a lot of different boxes checked starting with Sergey Bobrovsky and Joel Quenville coming in as the coach. That's the one team it could all backfire, but that is the one team that did the most with this circumstance. I don't think you have to, you know, I don't think you really have to. Uh, uh, Nashville got a nice uh, rate with Matt Duchesne, no taxes in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, good deal there. He'll slot in nicely, but I don't think he's, you know, this guy that's going to turn your franchise around. So you have to be careful with a lot of the things uh, that happen on July 1. But uh, I think the Florida Panthers were active with all the players they signed. It was, uh, it was uh, numerous in terms of the various deals they made. And, again, it starts with what I guess is the, the best goalie available at $10 million a season. They had the most impact, but when they drop the puck, everything levels off.
0: John Forslund, North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year and the recipient of a new one-year contract as the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. Great to have you back on the show. Great to have you back with the Canes. Enjoy whatever you have of an offseason, and thanks, as always, for the time here on The David Glenn Show. My pleasure, David. Have a great summer. You too. Bobby Marks will play the NBA version of this game when ESPN's NBA front office insider joins us live in about 10 minutes. Most of those biggest dominoes also have fallen, but the Kawhi Leonard watch continues. Bobby said earlier today that he believes the new-look Golden State Warriors will not even make the playoffs this upcoming season. I will ask ask him about that. He also recently parted, uh, posted – uh, about the smartest free agency deals in the NBA so far. So we'll ask him about the Charlotte Hornets' demise, but also some of those uh, better headlines elsewhere in the NBA. He was a longtime front office executive in the NBA, now the front office insider for the worldwide leader, ESPN.com. 1-800-849-2761. Last call for phone calls is on the other side, Kaniacs you kept Sebastian Aho. The offer sheet has been matched. It did get personal. And you will have an unrestricted free agent five years from now, assuming Aho is still here at that point. But the roster looks pretty darn good as it's currently constructed. So that's good news for Caniacs. If you have a question or comment on that, 1-800-849-2761. The question of the day involved soccer. Why have the U.S. women been number one in the world for decades while the U.S. men have often been barely in the world rankings of top 25. Well, we've hit a lot of layers of that cake today. Why do we ask? Well, both the men and women are in action this week. The U.S. women take the pitch against England uh, less than one hour from now in the semifinals of the Women's World Cup. The Americans remain the favorites to win yet another World Cup. They won three of the first seven. Uh, of those on the women's side of course the american men have never come close to olympic gold or a world cup championship why a lot of reasons we've hit most of them you can chime in at 1-800-849-2761 bobby marks later your phone calls on the other side we're glad you're with us on the david glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We ask folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over,
2: you know, the sunset, you know. (laughs) Uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game that can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching.
0: Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. To the David Glenn show, Bobby Marks of ESPN joins us live in less than five minutes. A couple of quick breaking news updates. As the USA and England have taken the pitch, Megan Rapino, who is both a controversial figure in the eyes of some for her comments about America and the current president and other things, but also one of the true superstars of international soccer and really the history of Team USA. Nobody has more goals than she at this year's Women's World Cup. She is not warming up with the team right now. She is standing to the side as the rest of Team USA does warm up. She's clapping to her teammates in the form of encouragement, but she she has her cleats on, but she is not participating in warm-ups and is being replaced in the starting lineup by Kristen Press. Now, it's an incredibly deep American team, the best in the world, et cetera. There's no doubt about that. Somebody like Carly Lloyd is one of the best players in the history, the modern history of women's soccer, and has been coming off the bench for Team USA. So we don't have all those details yet, but that's at least an interesting uh, tidbit to pass along. And then from the college basketball world comes this, and then we'll get to Bobby Marks on his winners and losers in NBA free agency. The NCAA has placed UConn's men's basketball program on probation for two years, And has given the former Huskies coach, Kevin Olley, a three-year show cause order for failing to monitor his staff, not promoting an atmosphere of compliance, and allegedly providing false and misleading statements to NCAA investigators as they probed various violations by UConn. That's a multi-time national champion, remember, Jim Calhoun, but even Kevin Olley got one of those for the Huskies. Show cause means for three years, if anybody under the NCAA umbrella wants to hide you they have to go in front of a committee and explain why do you want to hire this cheater basically uh, so, do not look for him to be getting a job anytime soon and maybe never again at the college level. Probation for two years is not an insurmountable penalty, obviously. The bigger penalty fell on Kevin Ollie himself. Back to the NBA on the other side. Bobby Marks is the best in the salary cap and front office business. He knows how this stuff works, sign and trade and otherwise. He joins us on the other side. Who is the biggest winner? Who is the biggest loser in NBA free agency to this point? Where will Kawhi Leonard end up? We'll talk with Bobby Marks of ESPN next on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you in a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have an update from Julie Foudy, now a broadcaster, one of the other legendary stars of the best in the world U.S. women's soccer team. She says that Megan Rapinoe had tape on her right leg yesterday. She is making an educated guess that Rapinoe is not being replaced in the starting lineup for tactical or coaching reasons. She says if that were the case, she'd at least be warming up with the rest of the team. She believes that the tape on her right leg explains why she is not out there with Team USA as we speak, as the English squad is on the pitch and as the Team USA is out there as well. The Women's World Cup semifinal match begins here within the next 30 minutes or so. The Netherlands take on Sweden tomorrow. The championship match at this year's Women's World Cup will be this coming Sunday. Team USA is seeking its fourth Women's World Cup title. There have been only eight such events. Uh, And and they've had even more success in terms of chasing Olympic gold. Bobby Marks is ESPN's front office insider on all things NBA. He has been a busy guy dating back to last week and over this crazy weekend. Kawhi Leonard still needs a team, but most of the other biggest dominoes have fallen. Bobby Marks, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I know there's still uh, headlines to come, but at this point at least, who do you see as having the best roster in the NBA, as we speak, uh, given these free agency dominoes decisions,
2: well, I mean, I think you know we don't know where the Lakers are going, right? So we, I'm not ready to kind of give give them the, you know, give them the crown right now. I think I think I like what Utah has, right, with Mike Conley, and now you have Bojan Bogdanovic, and we still have Donovan Mitchell, and um, you know Rudy Gobert. Yeah, uh, I think I think Milwaukee will, will be the favorite in the East. Uh, I know you lose Malcolm Brogdon, you replace him with Wes West Matthews, and you, you retain Chris Middleton, you get Brooke Lopez back, and you can bring George Hill back here. So I, see, I see still think, you know, of course, if Kawhi goes back to Toronto, they'll be the favorites. Um, they'll be the favorites in the, in the league this year. So still a lot some, some work to do. Um, but the West is, you know, the West is going to be a bear again, again here.
0: Bobby Marks joining us. He is a fun follow always, but especially at this time of year, there's breaking news left and right. He and Woj and others at ESPN uh, follow Bobby at Bobby Marks 42. I saw a post or a quote from you. I think it was within the last 24 hours, suggesting that Golden State, after losing Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala and others, won't even make the playoffs next season. Is is this truly a dynasty that is over in your eyes?
2: Well, I don't know about over. I mean, I think for I think there's going to be a you know they're going to have to probably take a back seat for this year. I mean, I, that 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 comment was based off you know Clay being out for the yeah most probably the whole year. And I think that's kind of where we're headed. I mean, he hasn't even had the surgery, yet, I don't think. And where that roster is right now, you know, the, you know they acquired Dan. You, know, you lose. I think people forget. Like, yes, you have Clay Tom I mean, you have uh, Steph Curry and you have Draymond Green. But I mean, if you watch the NBA Finals. And that game three or game four against Toronto, that, that's what your roster is going to look like. You know, without Andre yeah. Fidel, and I know you get D'Angelo uh, Russell, but when you get Russell in the signing trade, you are you are restricted here. Like, you are signing your second round picks and four minimum contracts to fill out your bench. So we'll see what they do. And, and you know, in the offseason, with um, maybe they can get guys that are bought out of the contract like Houston's done. But, I mean, the, the Western Conference is deep. I mean, when you look at, um, when I, Utah, Denver, the Lakers, Portland, Houston, yep. OKC, San Antonio, the Clips. I mean, we're, I think Sacramento's got a good chance to make the playoffs. I think New Orleans has gotten a lot better. Um, you know, Golden State's going to be in a fight to, just to get into playoffs here.
0: You had a recent post, the smartest free agency deals so far. I assume you're looking at that from the team's perspective. We encourage folks to check out uh, more info, but can you give us an example or two of just, you know, the NBA doing things the wise way at this time of year?
2: Yeah, I mean, there were a couple. I mean, I think that, you know, the Rodney Hood contract um, that he was able to sign in in Portland for two two years, $12 million, um, they were really restricted as far as that was basically the most they could give him. Um, I thought that was really good value for, um, you know, something for a player who's going to likely start. Uh, you know, Derek Rose coming off a strong year in Minnesota, two for 15 in Detroit. Um, you know, I talked about, um, you know, West Matthews in Milwaukee for the minimum at 2.6. Um, They've lose Malcolm Brogdon, and they can kind of just slide him in right there. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a I, – I would say the majority of contracts have been, you know, um, uh, you know, they haven't been reckless. I, I, you know, there have been, you know, couple one and two years contracts teams have left themselves some flexibility um you know in 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 the future here as far as what they can do next summer and uh you know in 2021
0: as a guy who worked in the nba as a front office executive obviously you have all this expertise on salary caps, and and you've been great all over TV and on the web. But sometimes you also had to deal with personalities, right? And I wonder your thoughts about the Houston Rockets right now because we've gone from reading that Harden and CP3 don't get along Even though they make commercials together for insurance companies, to you know Austin Rivers saying I'm staying in Houston as a free agent because I believe that we're the best situated to you know make a run at an NBA title now that the Warriors aren't what they were and now that the door is cracked for teams like us.
2: Well, I mean, I think I think Austin's right. I mean, I've said along that I thought Houston's probably one of the better teams in the West if they just stay out of their own way. You know, and, and you you put a for sale sign on the roster a week ago to try to get Jimmy Butler, right. and that falls through. So you've got some damage repair to do. You know, I mean, I, in reality, like these guys are human. I mean, right. they're not. where they're not trained robots here. So um, they bring back, you know, barring a trade, they bring back the starting five. You know, and and a, and, a, and a good starting five here. So. Um, But I do like what Houston's been able to do, and I think that if they can just kind of, with with State, you know, uh, decimated with some injuries here, um, that the West is wide open, and they should be one of the teams that we talk about as far as in the top three here.
0: With KD off to Brooklyn and Kyrie off to Brooklyn, and even Kemba Walker from our backyard off to the Boston Celtics, it feels like a large chunk of the biggest names have already made their decisions. When you look into the Kawhi Leonard crystal ball, to the degree that that's even possible given his unique personality, A, who has the room for him? And B, you know how do you read the tea leaves among those candidates?
2: Well, it's really just three teams, you know. It's Toronto to stay home and try to win another championship, and then it's the two LA teams, you know, the Clippers and uh, the Clippers and the Lakers. I think it's interesting that we see a lot of free it's kind of in a holding pattern because they're waiting on the Leonard decision. So there's a handful of those type of guys right out there. So I think all three places can make a compelling argument. I think If you're Toronto, that we can run this group back and you know defend what we won um, a month ago. I think if you're the Lakers. It's, you know, um, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James as far as the new big three. and But they've got some work to do for filling out their bench. And I think for, for Toronto, I mean, for the Clips, it's a comparable situation that, um, you know, get to play in L.A., but it, and it's comparable that he, where it was, you know, with Toronto last year, kind of he would be more on the center stage. You'd have a strong supporting cast around him. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it is hard to read the tea leaves because there has been nothing from his camp, you know, for the whole year.
0: Bobby Marks joining us on Twitter. He's at Bobby marks 42 As you can imagine, there's not much fun with NBA headlines here in my statewide audience in North Carolina. Arguably the best player in franchise history, Kemba Walker, is now the property of the Boston Celtics. And although he didn't exactly get away for nothing, which was the concern for a long time, thanks to sign and trade details, they did get Terry Rozier back. But we looked it up, Bobby, and I wonder if you think we're off track. The, the Hornets, two best players, according to the analytics, were, of course, Kemba an All-Star three years in a row, and then Jeremy Lamb. And now they're both off to greener pastures via free agency. We looked at it. We don't even think the Hornets have like one of the top 100 talents in the entire NBA right now. Does Charlotte have the worst roster in this league? And, and how do you describe the cardinal sin of having Kemba Walker leave for so little in return?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the roster's probably comparable to what we see in Washington. Washington, has Bradley Beal, and they've got an you know injured John Wall. But, yeah, I mean, you get Terry Rozier, so you kind of do get your starting point guard. I thought the contract was rich, you know, three years, $58 million for a guy who you're basically giving him the keys to be your starting point guard. And, you know, a guy who's never averaged, I think, four and three assists per year, or I think he's averaged a career average, like 2.7 assists. Has never shot better than 40% from the field. Um, are we going to get the Terry Roger we saw in the playoffs, uh, you know, in two thousand eighteen, or the one that struggled this year? So, you know, it's you know, it's it, it's hard when you don't want to rebuild, right? You're continually kind of you know try, yeah. try turn things over and try it again and try it again. I think some teams have done it, like the Clippers have done that. I think Brooklyn, you know, certainly has, has, they they're the other side where they really rebuild. Um, and I think with with Kemba, like if, if you weren't prepared to pay him. You know, five for 190. Then he should have been moved a year ago, right? Because we knew what the salary cap was going to be, we knew where the max numbers were going to be, and I'm and I, and I you know, it, it's not like it was 221. I don't think 221 was ever in play, of the super max, right? But if you were not ready to do it, you should have moved him. I mean, I, I think you have to you have to take the emotions out of the business and sometimes do what's best for the organization, there.
0: We've heard a lot that Michael Jordan, who's been the owner for almost a decade now, is too competitive to go the, you know, uh, tank and rebuild from scratch route. How do you describe nowadays, with even the lottery rules changing a little bit, so you're not as likely to be rewarded if you have one of those true train wreck records during the regular season, how do you just describe that bigger picture, assuming, and we don't know, that maybe the Hornets are finally ready now to do the whole rebuild after resisting for a long time
2: well it's you know with the lottery it's hard because you know nowadays you you finish top four it doesn't guarantee anything i think see what happened in this past may where a bunch of teams in that eight to ten range jumped up there and i think I, i think it's hard for where they are financially to hit the rebuild button because of the contract you know that you know they're not in a position like you know like new york was in a position this this summer after they missed out on those guys where they could have gone one or two ways, right? You could have gone out and signed um, players like Fortis and Julius Randle and try to stay competitive, or you could have gone what Atlanta has done, where you just take back money and you get draft picks, similar to maybe in Brooklyn. So it, it's hard to rebuild when you have, you know, with Marvin and Bismack and Kit Gilchrist and, um, you know, um, Batum, yeah. Batum number. I mean, until those things expire, um, it's it's hard for you to do. I mean, do, do they have value, where maybe you're turning that an expiring contract into a player that has two years, possibly? But I think it all comes back to you've got to hit on your draft picks, right? I mean, you've got to hit on these these you know the the Malik Monk's and the Miles Bridges and the PJ Washington type of those guys. And I, and I hate playing Monday Morning Quarterback, but I said it last year at the draft when they took Miles Bridges and, and Shea Gilliard. Alexander was taken by the Clippers. Like sometimes you, it, it's not based on need, but maybe best you know. I mean, be, be, not based on um, best available, but on need. Where he would have been your insurance policy. if yeah. were, You know, instead of paying Terry was your 18 per, you would have paid paid Shea four million per, and it would have kept you afloat, and at least it would give you a foundation. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's as I said, you know, there's a there's a lot of work to do. But until those, some of those contracts come off, you're kind of like stuck in that mutual.
0: Last thing for Bobby Marks, find his work, of course, ESPN.com, all over the Worldwide Leader on Twitter, at BobbyMarks42. When it comes to – we all know that everybody wants to know in all industries, how much are you going to pay me and for how many years, et cetera. When you get past that, what do you point to as a former NBA front office guy to help us understand, you know, the Knicks can't seem to get anything right even though they once had a really good brand and they clearly have a big market to offer. Whereas the Brooklyn Nets, who've rarely been relevant for quite some time, you know, they managed to get KD and Kyrie. Um, what are those beyond the money factors that you see mattering when these biggest decisions get made?
2: Player development program, strong player development program, as far as take drafted players or, you know, guys under, uh, you know, hidden gems like Spencer Dinwiddie and develop them. Uh, the structure with the front office and certainly with your coach i think the coach has probably the biggest voice when re- when you're recruiting here i mean we're in a day, day and age of sports science where that matters here i think i think i think brooklyn showed you that you can build it from scratch i mean you can i mean it's like you know i was there i mean my last year was yeah. 1415 but we won 38 games and lost in the first round but we knew kind of where things were heading um, and if you tear it down and if you have the stomach for two or three years of 20 and 62 or 25 and 57 um and you have a a coach that has confidence and belief that things will turn around i think it will work you know i i really do i know it's brooklyn and it's a big market but these guys want to go to a place where they can win and where they can have ownership and i think that's probably why durant and Kyrie going to to the net
0: bobby marks of espn as always thanks for the time on the david glenn show you're welcome. Thank you. You got it. On Twitter, at Bobby Marks 42 he knows salary caps. He knows why do you do sign and trade instead of simply signing a dude. Well, the long answer short is that it creates under NBA rules mid-level exceptions and other free agency opportunities. That's why rather than Kemba simply leaving for the Celtics as a free agent and Rozier simply arriving as a free agent, Uh, the return of the sign-and-trade concept came back into vogue. And why? Well, because the way the rules work, if you do it that way rather than the old-fashioned free agents-just-jump way, you open up other opportunities. Now, for the Hornets, it's not going to matter much. Keep in mind, I mean, listen to this list of names, and then we'll come down the stretch on the other side. There are six big contracts in Charlotte, North Carolina, our state's NBA franchise. Here are the biggest money makers. You ready for this? Nick Batum is going to make $26 million. Nick Batum is going to make $26 million. Terry Rozier, the new point guard who's never been anything but a backup in the NBA. Great at Louisville. Fantastic defender. But do you pay a first-time starter defensive specialist point guard $18 million a year? That's what he's making from your Hornets. So Batum at 26 million, Rozier at 18 million. Bismack Biombo is like a third string center, and he's making 17 million. Marvin Williams, friend of the program, is making 15 million. Cody Zeller, at least a quality big guy, 14 million. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, a nice glue guy in the NBA, but when you pick second overall, you got to do better than finding a glue guy, right? Coming out of high school, he was one of the top players in the country, as was A.D., Anthony Davis. I covered recruiting back then to a degree. They were one and two coming out of high school. John Calipari signed both of them at Kentucky. By the time they're done at Kentucky, and Anthony Davis is the national player of the year, but you can already tell MKG, while a rebounder and a defender, man, if you can't shoot, you're, you're either going to learn to shoot or you're not going to be worthy of a number two overall pick. The Hornets used one of the highest picks in franchise history on a guy who turns out to be a glue guy and I believe predictably turned out to be a glue guy and nothing more than a glue guy. You got to get more than a glue guy at number two overall. Those are your six big contracts. Is there a top 100 player in the NBA in there anywhere? I don't think there is. I, I mean, you get to 150. Again, numerically, analytically only Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb were top 100 NBA players. They've both signed elsewhere. You have P.J. Washington as your first rounder out of Kentucky. You have Cody Martin out of Nevada via NC State. You have a kid, Jalen McDaniels, out of San Diego State. They're your draft picks this year. Malik Monk is back. Dwayne Bacon is back. Devontae Graham is back. Miles Bridges is a promising young talent. That's it, folks. That What is that, a 10-win team in the NBA, a 20-win team? It ain't pretty. The Hornets are the laughingstock of the NBA. I am really glad the Canes matched the offer sheet f- for Sebastian Aho. Otherwise, we'd have had one of the laughingstocks of the NHL as well. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith.
1: I know that I will never be as good as he was in in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.
0: We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down that special thanks to Nathan Bernstein for filling in for Darren Vaughn. John Forgelin and Bobby Marks were great guests. You reinforced why you are the smartest. Sports Radio syndicated audience on Planet Earth. TV picks are led by a game about to get underway. Go USA against England at the Women's World Cup tonight. You get Summer League basketball and some MLB. Enjoy the games. See you tomorrow on the David Glenn show.